Hey everybody, welcome to Bag and Boardcast, episode number 306. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out June 29th, 2016. Mm. And then we always follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. This week we're talking about uh, the DC Rebirth. And how that now that it started, we're we're already disappointed in it, and we want to see more books rebirthed. Rebirthed? <laughs> rebirth. Yeah, rebirth. Sound like. I'm sorry. I, I normally introduce that one, but I'm looking at James Bond Junior.'s IMDb page right now. <laughs> okay. I got. I, it's uh. John made, sent us down an internet rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I made a reference. Yeah. Nobody got it, and then I said, "Come on, guys!" And now Chris is hooked. Pretty much. Yeah. What was that uh, karate show that I made you guys look up? <laughs> oh. Feet. What was it? Legends of the something. I don't know. I don't remember. It Man, was... this is a slow week for news. Let's just talk about old TV shows. <laughs> there we go. Uh, you know what is really fun is look up James Bond Jr. fan art. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not is... only did they have fans, they had fans so inspired, they actually made art of it. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I'm a fan of, John? Uh, is it beer? It is beer, because I'm trying to get us back on topic. Uh, Chris, what are you drinking? It's been getting really hot down here in Florida again. It's, I'm getting Chris back on topic, too. It's, it's in the it's in the 90s, so I needed something nice, cool, and crisp. Uh, so when I went to the store the other day, it almost jumped off the shelf at me. Uh, but right now I'm drinking a Schofferhofer Grapefruit Hefeweizen. Oh, that is nice, cool, and crisp. This, this and beer you. is basically sunshine in a glass. Mm-hmm. I love it. The day that I got it home, I had like three bottles of it, and I was like, I need to save some for the podcast because I bought this on Friday. Uh, so I've done really good about pacing myself after that initial first day. Mm-hmm. Well, just, you can drink those like water because they're like 2%. Mm-hmm. I know, you just you can just keep drinking it. It's so wonderful. They're 2%? No. They're... I'm glad they're starting to like expand their uh, footprint a little bit. Yeah. Because it's, everyone needs to drink this beer. When we came up from Orlando after you showed us that beer, uh, we found it up here. And uh, Warsteiner just put out pretty much the same thing, uh, which is a grapefruit wheat beer, same low percent alcohol. Just a good, 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 good drink of beer. Uh, and the fact that I can get a uh, six-pack of this for the same price that I can get a pint in the Germany <laughs> Pavilion is even better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that we found is the you'd never got to try the three citrus peel out, right? Ooh. No, not yet. Because uh, it's so hard to find now. Oops, I drank my last bottle again. <laughs> um, but if it comes out again, Chris, I'll try to grab you one because it is the big brother to the Schoferhofer. Nice. And, it's and uh, from, keep an eye out for the Lake Erie Monster for me too from yep. Great Lakes because that's. I we'll know we have, talked about that, but that's another one that's we'll have, the stuff I need to get. We should have quite a bit of that. And <laughs> Redanculus is back out from Founders, mm-hmm. and that's still really good. Four packs now. Uh, the ABV on the Schofer Hoffer is 2.5%. Yeah, it's, just drink it. Uh, for baseline. Give it, give it to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> for baseline, uh, you know, independent like lemon lime, like soda companies. Sometimes have to put an APV uh, disclaimer on it, even though like Seven Up and you know Sprite, they they have an APV of like 0.4 to 0.7, yeah, just because so minimal. Of, it's so minimal. So uh, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, 2.4. 
It's just basically like downing a whole two liter of Seven uh, Up. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, also, don't give it to your kids, though. That's that was a joke. Drink and, it yourself. And they, also, they don't deserve it. You don't love them that much. <laughs> also, don't let your kids drink a whole two liter of Seven Up. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't have any teeth in your head anymore. What's a cavity? Uh, Jen and I are drinking abortion. <laughs> Let's talk abortion. Mr. Show. <laughs> uh, Jen and I are drinking ginger beer. Uh, from Caldera Kettle Series uh, from Caldera Brewing Company out of Ashland, Oregon. This is uh, also a lighter beer. This is 4.7%. Just for a baseline, your st- standard beer, like your Labatt and stuff, is between 4 and 4.5. Right? Yep. I wanted to confirm that with the uh, beer expert in the room. Uh, yeah, so, that between like 4 and 5, I think, right? Yeah. I was saying four, between 4 and 4.5. Uh, this was bottled back... Um, I couldn't find a bottle date. Maybe January? February, maybe? Uh, Sitting so in my basement too for long. For a, a lower percent alcohol beer, um, you still, and for it being forgotten about, it still has a good ginger taste to it. Mm-hmm. At this point, the ginger's kind of gone on my palate, but when we first started drinking mm-hmm. it... Yeah, we got used to that ginger up front. Now it's, you know, after... No, it's still there. It lingers. It's just, yeah, but it's kind of just back on the tongue, and mm-hmm. it's, like, warm now. Like, it doesn't so, taste... Yeah, it's warmer beer. And it doesn't taste that great now. I, yeah. I found with ginger beers, I like them to be chilled a bit more. Like, it has to be cooler and crisper. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I had the bottle of the left-hand Wicked Juju that I picked up, it was sitting room temperature. I kept it in my beer closet, and I, I just... On first sip, I was like, "This this needs more." So I actually put it in the refrigerator to crisp it up for a bit, and it definitely helps out. Yeah, um, but yeah, we opened it and we've been sitting probably for about an, uh, almost an forty minutes, forty five minutes. Yeah, just sticking um, around, <laughs> being friends, talking about stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Bond Junior. James Bond Junior. Mm-hmm. And we found that we didn't have too much news to talk about. So uh, news no, I, guys, I, yeah, I think. Kind of the biggest story for me was at the beginning of the week, more where um, everyone was all talking about Justice League. We started uh, filming on that. There's like screenshots coming out from it. There's mm-hmm. set videos, and everyone's just kind of reaffirming, like, "No, guys, this is this is gonna be a much better movie than Batman v Superman. Like, you, just wait, it's gonna be brighter. It's gonna be more fun." There's a word that I, in your sentence there, Chris, that I really want to highlight uh, because I think it's the biggest news. It's going to be a much more fun movie. Singular. It's no longer a two-part series. Yes. It's not Justice League Part 1 and Justice League Part 2. This is just a one standalone, and now they're going to split off. Like, the story will continue in, like, the Flash movie and the Cyborg movie. So well, I, I think a lot pretty- of that was them dreaming too big and thinking mm-hmm. they were going to have that Marvel-style hit on their hands. Which, yeah, you know what? Batman vs. Superman did, did perform. It did well. It's uh, number four worldwide for 2016. It just didn't have that grab that the the Marvel movies do. And I think they thought a little bit too big picture right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, And also, the number one complaint for Batman v Superman, it seemed like they bit off too much story than that they could get down and chew on, really. Because... (laughs) Yeah, you didn't need a Batman origin story within the Batman Superman verse. Mm -hmm. And you didn't need... Batman falling asleep and having apocalypse dreams. A lot of dreams. A lot of Batman <laughs> they, dreams. And again, that's they were trying just to shoehorn in everything to start that world building, which 
I think was to that movie's detriment. You have to have that slow build and that slow yeah. burn up where everything does kind of fit and make sense instead of just throwing it in. Yeah, let's let's look back at the Marvel blueprint, right? Like, what was the world building for Iron Man? What what set the stage? Uh, Nick Fury appearing in it. That's it. Was did he appear in the movie? No, it was the end credit scene. Exactly. It was outside the movie. That's so when everybody got what hyped. What you're saying is. DC should team up with Marvel to help make their movies. <laughs> Just, Just look give at the Marvel blueprint. control over them. It, well, that's what Sony basically said. Oh, you will make us all the money? Here you go. <laughs> help us with Spider-Man. Working well, that with- was something else that kind of came out this week. We really didn't talk about speaking on this. Yeah, that's a segue. Sony came out and was like, no, no, no. We, we still completely own and have complete control over the Spider-Man franchise. But we're letting Marvel do all the creative stuff. Like they, they are better at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because then you looked in like people writing the Spider-Man scripts, and it was just a guy like <laughs> spinning a cat around by its tail, and just like hitting the keyboard <laughs> with it. <laughs> what? This is a big <laughs> idiot. This is a big idiot writing stuff. It's the Clerks animated series. Oh, it's Dante. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a very. Very. Oh, I did want to ask you guys, what did you think of the Justice League movie logo? Uh, it's very their new branding for their DC comics. Yeah, I like. See, I like the comic branding, you know, the DC logo. So I've like looked at this and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, it's not a bad very logo. Sleek. I mean, it's not really. It doesn't jump out at you. It doesn't say comic book movie to me, but Justice League. And then it has that one star in it, which I really enjoy. I'm like, hey. There's a little interest there. I like the font, you know. I'm, it's not Harry Potter font, font, you know, or Star Wars font. Yeah. It, it, but uh, maybe, maybe if this movie is that good, it will become one of those fonts. Maybe, but I, I don't know if it's going to be that good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have hopes. It's just it's hard to be excited for it. Mm-hmm. Based yeah, on everything true. that we've had now, and I know uh, Zack Snyder was talking in an interview where now Superman's going to be coming that character of hope after everything that's happened. And just my thought process was, you had terrible things happen to him in the first movie that you could have had be that building block. You didn't need to mm-hmm. slow down that process at all because that was one of the biggest complaints about it. Yeah, yeah. Batman here is going to be inspired by humanity coming together. After the death of Superman, inspired by Superman's heroic uh, sacrifice, and really feels the need to hurry up and get a team together because he knows something's coming. We got that from uh, him showing up in Lex Luthor's uh, prison cell. Yeah, that. Oh no, there's bigger bad on his way. I better get a team together to fill this void because Superman won't be able to. Uh, and Lex Luthor's already put the team together for him. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> he had the uh, he had the uh, the iTunes or the uh, QuickTime. He had the movies. iTunes. They're he had the iTunes uh, QuickTime. He had the iTunes movies. Yeah, JPEGs. He had a picture of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's picture. It wasn't a picture, her picture. It was a picture of her. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the stupidest scene ever. <laughs> then she gets off the plane. She goes off the plane. And then he's like, is, he, is she, she with you? She wasn't invisible enough for her, so she was like, I need to, I need to switch flights. I need to switch flights. And then then she shows up to help we, Batman we, in the fight. And then Batman's all like, is this girl with you? Dude, you were just emailing her. Yeah. Like, what the hell, dude? Listen, we've already had the episode where we rant about this, so. <laughs> it's it's dumb. 
It's a dumb movie. <laughs> it is so dumb. It's best to move on. <laughs> For us as well as Warner Brothers. Yeah. Oh. What are we moving on to? I don't uh-huh. even know. Oh, uh, studios in their protective over protection of IP? Maybe. Sure, why not? All right. So we got uh, CBS and Paramount coming together to write up new fan fiction, fan film rules and guidelines for their Star Trek IP. Uh, interdic- inter- oh. Chris, can you say that? Intellectual property? I don't need to say it. You said it for me. Oh, thank goodness. Uh, and this impacts mainly uh, Star Trek Renegades, which is a fan, fan series, fan-funded series that's been going on since 2012. Uh, the first Indiegogo and Kickstarter campaign started in 2012. There was one in 2013-14. And they're currently working on, I think, their third, their second season? I didn't realize it had been around that long. Uh, yeah, it's... And it's getting some decent reviews. You know, they 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 hit their pledge goals for each series of uh, $300,000. And it has actual... Tim Russ that, that, playing Tuvok again. Tuvok from uh, Star Trek Voyager. You have the uh, you have uh, Pavel Chekhov from like the original series, the guy that played Chekhov back in the day. Uh, the original Chekhov, not the one his that counter, got pinned. His counterpart has passed away. Yeah, that got pinned by a car, which was really sad news. Uh, but apparently now with the new fan film IP restrictions that CBS and Paramount has placed on Star Trek they have come out and said hey fans, contributors, don't worry we're still going to produce Renegades but uh, we now have to take off any kind of licensed ideas character names uh, and intellectual property out of it so it's we're, we're going to go through principal photography still happening but we're going to have to rename some of the characters rename uh, the ships and reclassify kind of things and uh, do some rotations. Which, Which, this is kind of crummy on Paramount's side of things. Mm -hmm. When you look at what George Lucas did for the Star Wars fan films, where he gave everyone basically the complete okay go-ahead and even gave out awards for the best fan films each year. And that's where I kind of was hoping we would take this conversation, which was, you know, like, let's look at the fear that we had when Disney bought out Star Wars was this kind of thing would have happened. Like, Disney would have come down and, like, struck down all fan films, like, said, nope, this is our IP, get out of our sandbox, these tries are ours, we're taking them over here. And all and this that hasn't happened. Yeah, and, and with, with all this, all the stuff, all the fan stuff that comes out, mm-hmm. nothing like. <laughs> what like devastating or mm-hmm. horrible happens with these? Most of the time, people are just like, "Yeah, that, I really like that. That makes me want to go back and watch your movies again, mm-hmm. or that makes me want to check out that new series that's coming out onto TV or the new movie." Like those fan films are there because these people love mm-hmm. your franchise. Like yeah. allow them to love it and show it by raising three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for them to be able to make your move and to make something in honor of your franchise i i also remember like years ago on the sci-fi channel they had a special where i think it was like a one or two hour block of just the star wars fan films like the best of and they had george lucas actually host it yeah yeah i i think you're right and also there was that fan 
where everybody had like 30 seconds to reshoot like parts of scenes and they spliced it all together like everybody's reshoots of uh epi- of uh, a new hope yeah episode 4 episode 4 and they took 30 seconds from everybody's fan films and like strung it all together i sat through i kind of sat through that like where i would get up and like do something and then come back down and like cuz it's a whole movie yeah well, like, I'm like, <laughs> I, like i think <laughs> it's I sh- a movie you've seen before but not as well done <laughs> i shared you i shared to you guys like it's the trailer for the Force Awakens, but like done on Lego Swedish version. Oh. So it's like everything's done in cardboard. Like Chewie's just a guy like with long hair, mm-hmm. and it was like a fun. It's just a fun little video, and it made me go. Oh, I really want to watch. <laughs> I really want to watch Force Awakens again now. Yeah. yeah, I was feeling under the weather maybe like two weeks ago, and that's why I did. I just put on Force Awakens and fell asleep on the couch. It was wonderful. It's uh, what also is funny is, yeah, it's the fan embrace of what we get, I guess, from Star Wars versus what CBS and Paramount are now doing with Star Trek. It seems the exact opposite, especially when we live in an age where a bunch of video game franchises were trying to basically make. They wanted people to invest in their IP with time. Like time is the new currency that IPs really deal with you know mindshare you know the, the uh, with television shows not only is it ratings is it getting buzz on you know twitter is it getting buzz on facebook like that all plays a part it matters because dvd sales and you know how much they can wheeze a lot of netflix when it can hit netflix deals so the more time people want to spend with your ip i think the better you look at video games like um dead space how they were going to come out with a movie a web series and comic books all to support that IP, that Dead Space IP. You're seeing it with uh, Street Fighter does a lot of those. Yeah, Street like Fighter. Short. I'm sorry. Go yeah, yeah. Shorts and stuff like that. I was going to mention um, uh, Assassin's Creed. You know, uh, Ubisoft is doing that with a bunch of their uh, IP, video game IP now coming out with more movies. Halo. They, yep, Halo did their web series. Uh, what Halo? Halo Reach, Homecoming, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Halo into the into the dawn. The red blue. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the <laughs> campy. Uh, red versus blue. Red versus blue, which is funny. I, I like this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it helps everything go. What I do think is funny is um, in next week, July, July first. Mm-hmm. All of the Star Trek movies, which is like one through the next generation ones, mm-hmm. all coming down off of Netflix. To now, go on the CBS app? I don't know if it's going on the CBS app. I don't know if it's because they want people to not easily be able to watch them. They want people to go out and buy the movies or what. But it's like... Uh, that, that's just a poor move. To me, I think you would want those movies up there for people to watch, to get yeah. ready for the next movie, or to get just yeah. pumped up, or after they see that movie, easily have a way to watch those movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I it's, it's just Paramount trying to get more money out of the fans, mm-hmm. buying more of their stuff. Where, I mean, really, the people who are the super huge Star Trek fans, they already own the movies. You want to get mm-hmm. the person that's casually a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I'm gonna get that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm the casual. I'm the casual Star Trek fan. I can't mm-hmm. say I believe I've watched all of the Star Trek movies. 
I couldn't tell you scenes from most of them, but I've seen all the Next Generation movies. I've uh, I didn't see the one with Tom Hardy. Well, I don't know what that one Nemesis? is. Nemesis. Nemesis. Oh, with uh, uh, Picard's clone. Picard's clone. But I've seen all the other ones. I saw the the remake ones here. With I've yeah. seen all those in the theater. All the yeah. There's been two. Yeah. So I mean, it's <laughs> give give the give the baby the bottle. Like, and you're literally just taking the bottle away from the baby. You want the baby to be happy, so give them give them their IPs. You know, their fan movies. Give them the movies to watch on Netflix. And John's hitting keyboards with cats he's taking bottles away from babies he's a mean guy today <laughs> well, i'm drinking i'm drinking devil dancer i got a little bit of the devil in me <laughs> that's, that's uh did you guys want to do a box office mojo update yeah, yeah i think it's time for a summer movie blockbuster bracketbuster update all right it's from box office mojo.com we're, we're showing the weekend estimates because uh we're recording early on sunday they do not have the official numbers but the estimates have been pretty close uh, we have number one, Finding Dory, in its second weekend, earning another $73.2 million. Uh, yep. For its opening weekend, we see Independence Day Resurgence, which has gotten some really bad critical reviews, uh, at opening up at $41.6 million. Again, these are estimates, but uh, I'm not too worried as... Oh, who does... Uh, Research, oh, uh, Independence Day Resurgence goes up against Star Trek Beyond, strangely enough. So when that comes out, you know what? That might be a close race, so we might need to get those actual numbers there. Because I don't think Star Trek Beyond is going to open with much more than, you know, in the mid-40s to maybe low-50s. So And uh, Finding Dory just is going to steamroll. It's just looking like it's going to steamroll ahead. Uh, it's going up against Pete's Dragon. And yeah, Pete's Dragon's not going to do that well. No. Like, I, I really enjoy the original. <clears throat> sorry. Uh, like, live-action animated film, like, from decades ago. I have no strong desire to see this one at all. Who's playing the military guy that's not a, sick, a snake's oil? Snake uh, Carl oil? Urban. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Judge Dredd. And, yeah. And also Star Trek tie-in. <laughs> He's, uh, Bones. Dr. McCoy. Um, I, I think Star Trek Beyond is going to do a little bit better than you give it credit for, though. Um, and I think it's just, it's sad to say it, but it's that just kind of morbidness of, hey, did you hear the guy that played mm-hmm. Chekhov died? Like, oh, let's go see see that movie. And also, Independence Day is getting pretty rough reviews. So it didn't, they're, they're saying it's not a dumb, fun action movie. They're saying it's just a dumb movie. They're saying it's really boring, which I think is the worst thing you can say about an action movie. This is the movie that, like, it just didn't, from get-go, did not interest me. Hmm. See, I was interested in it just because I, I love the original Independence Day. Yeah. Just, it's got to have that sense of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, you want you want that payoff of Will Smith punching an alien. And welcoming him to uh, a planet known as Earth. Yeah, this one just doesn't seem to have any... Any sense of fun to it? Yeah, there's no Harry Connick Jr. I'll still see it, you know, when it comes to Netflix in a month, though. So <laughs> it's true. Uh, so far, this has been the summer of uh, sunken sequels, though. You know, these movies that have gotten sequels that maybe 
in the past might not have, and I think it's Star Trek Beyond might be one of these movies that are hit hard by it. Yeah, Finding Dory's having a lot of trouble. It, it's, that's the exception to this year's rule. <laughs> in, like, Civil War. And, yeah, and in Captain America. Yeah, those are the two, but all the other ones, not so good. X-Men Apocalypse did under half its opening weekend. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, under half. Um, but it's also everybody. Now you see me too. Everybody's trying to put these movies out, and that's when we made this list. I let everyone know, like, this movie's going against this movie. This movie's going mm-hmm. against this movie. So if these movies were just their own movies that opening weekend, they probably would have done a lot better. But because they're coming out the same weekend as another movie, they're being split. Mm-hmm. So if you if you think like, oh, you know, you got half of the people for. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and half the people for this, they would have gotten double that if they had come out not against each other. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out the week before. Yeah, but um, the weekend before that you had Alice Through the Licking Glass and X-Men Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And then right behind that, the next weekend you had Now You See Me Too and Warcraft. Yeah, but I don't. I think those are two different audiences, and especially Alice Through the Looking Glass and oh, what came out with it? X Men Apocalypse. I, I think that was two different. But audiences if you see well. two big movies that are coming out at the same time that you, that weekend, you go, I don't know, it's going to be crazy there. I'm not going to go uh, to that movie theater. Well, I think Alice suffered from a lot of different things. I mean, I, the original movie wasn't that great, but it had the hey, it's in 3D and it's directed by Tim Burton ness going for it. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, people just flock to Tim Burton movies. I, Except for this one. It, well, this wasn't a Tim Burton movie, though. Oh, it wasn't. No, it I is? forget who directed it, but it wasn't him. Hmm. Um, let me see. They made sure to make no mention of that in any of the marketing. <laughs> well, because well, it wasn't directed by Tim Burton. If it was, they would have had his name all over the place. The 20, glass, that, opened, yeah, that opened to a $26.9 million. Uh, Director James Bobbin. Who I'm looking up right now? Who did Muppets Most Wanted? The Muppets movie. Well, he was a writer for Muppets Most Wanted. Oh, there you go. He was a director on Flight of the Concords, <laughs> the, the LEG show. He did direct the original The Muppets from 2011. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it's a tough, tough year for uh, the box office here in the states. So, um, did you guys did you guys notice the director who did um, We Live in the Shadows, who's like one of the co-creators of Flight of the Concords? He's doing the new Thor movie. Oh, uh, I believe I did see that, yeah. And he says that Marvel uh, doesn't act like a... St- I saw an interview with him, and he says Marvel doesn't act like a studio. They're just a bunch of creative guys that want to throw around ideas, and it's great. Like, and, you know, uh, he was asked, well, you know, you've been working on independent things, like your own stuff, or do you, do you feel like that you want more control over it? And he's like, no, because I don't own Thor. <laughs> Thor isn't mine, you know. It's, I, I I would ask Stan Lee how he feels about having me direct a Thor, Thor movie, <laughs> more so than somebody worrying about whether or not I have enough control over a Thor movie, you know. Yeah. Uh, and he has um, it's it's uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, which is like a uh, like Clive Baker. No, it's um, Sam Neill. It's a, a like a New Zealand movie. Mm-hmm. It takes place in New Zealand wilderness. Like Sam Neill is like this 
rugged, gruff old man who, in a way, befriends this heavyset, like, uh, ghetto kid, and they get stuck in the woods together. It's like a weird version of Up. Like, it's supposed to be terrific, though. Hmm. I want to see it. Will there be raptors? There are raptors. Oh, clever. Or rappers, I don't know. Oh, maybe rappers. Maybe Toronto Raptors. Basketball players. So that's the movie news? Yeah, I think that's all of the Weekend Geek news. All right. Right? Was there anything else? No, that's about it. Pretty pretty slow week, like we said, at the the front. (laughs) Uh, We still talked a lot. We still talked a lot. And here's something else to talk about. Uh, Our next beer, Paul. Wow, okay. Uh, And we're drinking a classic for us. Uh, This is Founders Devil Dancer. This is their triple IPA. This is 112 IBUs in a 12% beer. This was Mm. bottled on 510 of this year. And the beer we have following up is an aged version of this. Hmm. It's been a while since I've had the double dancer. Big, 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 big big bite. Um, Definitely big malt to it. Mm -hmm. Big alcohol with it. But it's not... It's not something that it lets you know that you need to sip it, but it's not like a dragon breath alcohol. Yeah, it's it's got that first you know going from that uh, I don't want to call it weak sauce ginger ale ginger beer that we were having, but you know that lighter flavored watery uh, aftertaste after a while once it warmed up. Going to this, it was like ooh what what ah the thing. Let me get calibrated. Your first sip. The beer just, it's like middle of your tongue. Mm-hmm. All the flavors there in the middle. And like after you swallow and everything, it's still like right there in the middle. And then it slowly like works its way to the rest of the edges of your tongue mm-hmm. or your flavors. It's definitely good. I think. I'm very nervous about the one year aged. This has, um, I feel like drinking this cooler. Mm-hmm. It was chilled when I brought it over, but it's it's hot in this room. Yeah. Um, I feel like it would be better a little cooler. Um, it's hot in Buffalo, man. It's hot in Buffalo. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, just saying, like, it might have been smarter for us mm-hmm. to have kept it in the fridge and then yeah, open yeah. it up. But this, you're getting all the, it's opened up, man. It's all like, the flavors are It's there. like Florida weather here. It's 90 degrees. Yeah, wow, not, that's surprising. But you probably don't have the humidity, so. Our humidity is 37%. <laughs> oh, to live in 30% humidity again. 37. Sir. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're drinking uh, you're drinking a nice light, easy going beer, Chris. Uh, well, funny story because when I was at the store buying my beer, it was just a Publix, you know, the local grocery store. I was walking around with my basket, and I had forgotten that I had already grabbed beer because at one of the end caps they had all local breweries kind of showcased, and they had Florida Beer Company's Casper's Porter there, and I was like. Wow, it's been a while since I've had a porter. I've been sticking a little bit more to the lighter side of things. Uh, I haven't had anything really darker than an amber like at a restaurant or anything in a while. So I was like, hey, why not? I'll get I'll get a porter. I love porters. And it wasn't until I actually got up to the checkout line where I was starting to empty out my basket, and I was like, oh, I forgot I had beer in here. Oh, well. Uh, but yeah, this is the Florida Beer Company's Casper's Porter. Uh, they call it a robust porter on their label and I'm I'm inclined to agree it's got a nice uh, roasted barley on it it's got a nice coffee chocolate sweetness to it that I'm really digging it 
the sweet on it kind of reminds me of what you would get from the Great Lakes one. I can't remember the name of it. It's not Commodore Perry. It's another... Edmund, Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, the Edmund Fitzgerald. Thank you. Um, Ooh, one of my favorite it, beers. It's, it, it's quite akin to that. I, I really enjoy it. Hmm. It, it's just it's so hard to like go for the darker beers here. Yeah. I mean, when I go to the Wizarding World, I might get one of the uh, like the Dragon Stouts, just because it's also from Florida Beer Company. It's a solid, solid like coffee stout. But uh, this is reawakening my love of darker beers. I just need to go to places that have more air conditioning <laughs> that I can sit down inside and and drink them instead of just walking around theme parks with a beer. I would agree because I um I had gone for like a we'd gone from like a big hike and then we stopped at Ellicottville Brewery and I was just so excited to see the chocolate cherry bomb on tap oh, in, you know. in August and I was like I'm gonna have one of those and I took that first sip and I was like this is the wrong choice oh my gosh what have I done. Yeah, I did the same thing recently with uh, uh, Chris. You mentioned the Wicked Juju, or uh, and they had they put out like a good or greater Juju or good Juju or something like that. Which yeah, they is have the, the good Juju is like the standard one, and then the Wicked Juju is like the the amped up version of it. Yeah, the amped up version though was a chocolate Ooh. like porter mm. with ginger, and I'm thinking, oh, cool, Wicked Juju, which is an, a ginger beer. Like ginger with an ale with ginger in it, you right. know, that's, you know, lighter and it was really refreshing. It's pretty good and had that, like, Asian ginger, like, kick, like what you would get out of a, um, like, when you're eating sushi, like the ginger, that, like, fermented ginger kind of stuff. Right. That, like, that's I'm what I got. Trying to look that beer up right now. <laughs> uh, and so it was a hot day and I'm like, oh, I'll crack this open. This will be really refreshing. And I'm like, oh, it's dark. And then it was like a, and then I look at the bottle. I'm like, "Oh, this is the wrong beer for this moment right now." But I spent money on it, so I drank it. Good choice. I suffered through. You suffered through. It was a like decent beer. It was all right. It just wasn't what I was looking for at that moment. Um, and they, they have. I'm on the left hand brewing site right now, and they have great juju. Wait, was the label purple and green and orange? Uh, I don't know. Because. Yeah, it says car- uh, caramel notes, spicy heat balanced out by a slight candy ginger sweetness. I don't really remember it. It would be on my untapped. Uh, would it? Yeah, yeah. I actually. Uh, uh, well, for pairings, they say pad thai, sushi, and curry. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. So that sounds really good. Uh, but, but you put ginger in anything, man, and I'm there. Yeah, this was uh, the wicked juju because it came in the. Uh, big bottle. Okay, yeah, that's the one that I had. Yeah, which I really enjoy. Because it had with the uh, chocolate malts that just it was dark and it had that, you know, just a richer experience. I wasn't looking for rich; I was looking for refreshing. You know, if I were going to put those two on the opposite sides of the Green Lantern spectrum, right? They, they have an oak-aged Wake Up Dead. Ooh, mm. Wake Up Deader. Whoa! Uh, just, hey, look at all these bottles that they got. I love their I website. Say, like, I'm, I'm just getting lost <laughs> on their website now. We we better start talking about comic books. Yeah, because well, we're not rabbit holes. Here. If we talking about comic books, we said it was a very light week for news, and it is a very light week for comic books. This is the fifth week of the month, and um, 
sometimes that just makes it harder, and it made it very hard for me to pick a book. Um, so I'm going from my wish list. This is a book that came out a few weeks ago that, at the time, I wasn't... It's a book I wanted to buy, but wasn't willing to spend the price then because I was buying other books. And I'm going to be picking up Weird Detective from Dark Horse Comics. This came out on June 15th, and this is written by Fred Van Lent and Googie Villanova. Um, the streets of New York are plagued by a pattern of crime of weird and bizarre, and an average detective is trying to solve them when he finds out he needs maybe somebody who's a little more into the weird mm. to help him. Um, the storyline is called The Stars Are Wrong, and uh, it's a double-sized issue. For three ninety nine. That sounds good, but I do want a scene where whoever is looking for this average uh, cop comes into the police chief's office and says, "Chief, I'm working on a real tough case, and I need the most mediocre help you can give me." <laughs> no, not your best detective. I need your okay detective. <laughs> Triceracop. <laughs> chief. I need your help. And Chris, hey, I need your pick for this week's list. Um, like John said, this is it's not a week week for me. I have a few things coming out. <clears throat> but the one that I'm most looking forward to would be Captain America Steve Rogers number two. Hmm. We've talked about this book for like two episodes now between Week and Geek and then for our monthly uh, look back last month. Uh, written by Nick Spencer, art by Jesus Says. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing where this book actually goes. Um, it's been a while since I've been a Captain America fan. It's never really just been that book for me. Hmm. But you know what? I, I'm i interested in seeing what Nick Spencer does with it. I don't know if this is going to be one of those must-read books for me or if I'm going to kind of drop off after the next couple issues. But, you know, he, he's piqued my interest on it. It's interesting that... Um you know, last last month it was such big, crazy news, and it seems like, man, it's really taken a while for number two to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if they just need to space it out because, like you said, this is a fifth week or what, but, yeah, it, it seems like it's been more than a month and a half almost. It did come out, I think, the last week of the month, last month, right? Or was it the second one? Uh, it, it came out like, May 25th. Okay, so, so right at the end. So yeah, so. so, and it's coming out. Yeah, probably we. It's the fifth week, so it's one week longer than we normally would have waited, which is weird for Marvel because they are so we're used to them double shipping. Yeah, yeah. a lot of times too. And I know I did hold off on reading the book for a few days too because it all it was spoiled, spoiled online. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't feel the need to like get right into it, but yeah, it, it does seem like it's been a bit of a wait, but it's probably because it was all over the internet like you couldn't go on to any kind of social media without seeing something about it so that maybe just made it seem a little bit more prevalent which made it seem like it came out a little while before that Hmm. but Paul yes we're not talking about books that came out a month ago we're talking about books that come out this week yeah yeah. like like uh Spider Gwen annual number one uh this is a character that I think has a really cool design uh but the whole like weird Spider Verse stuff uh, throws me for such a loop. It's just a character that I can't get into it. 
get into uh, that much, but it's a character that I want to check up on every once in a while to see how she's doing. You know, stop by, just say hey, Spider Gwen. Uh, how's it going? And enjoy, you know, the kind of rebel, uh, you know, craziness that is involved with her with. Uh, Peter Parker being dead, and she's the only Spider-Girl, but so she's not in the 616. So it feels like I can do that without missing too much. And uh, so for an annual, this seems like a perfect time to do it. And Marvel thanks me for my $5. And, uh, this certainly is, do thank you for the $5. And this uh, will give us a little taste of the what will be happening uh, throughout the next year of Spider-Gwen. Uh, and also, we're gonna have Captain Stacy and Gwen meet She-Hulk. Maybe. Hey. I don't know what the She-Hulk will be in this world, but I'd like That's She-Hulk. A reason for you to read it, though. Mm-hmm. Another reason. So you know, just just enough of those uh, things ended up on that side of the scale where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And we talked about this book a little bit before we started recording, but it does bear re-mentioning just so people can hear it. Uh, I I really do enjoy Spider Gwen. I like the initial mini-series. I like when the ongoing started. I like reading her in the Spider-Verse stuff. Uh, she's a character that I enjoy, but I don't need to continue reading. I'm just glad that she's there for people that do enjoy her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is something that I would probably wind up reading if you pick it up. Yeah, yeah, so I'll have it. Uh, it probably won't make our look-back cut, because we got a lot of the Rebirth books to talk about next week. Uh, but... It's one of those fun ones, you know, for a light week. This is probably the only times that I'm ever going to read a Spider Gwen book. And um, I'm, she seems I'm actually, more. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm happy to see that Marvel is really supporting her, though. I mean, she's got an ongoing. She's got the annual. Uh, They're doing. The- there was a aborted Spider Gwen figure for Disney Infinity that just kind of started making the rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, pictures of her and, and Doctor Strange started appearing up online. Um, she's got like a Funko Pop that's coming out. Well, the Disney Infinity wasn't because it was her that got defunct. It was the whole Disney Infinity yeah, it was, it was line. Yeah, whole yeah, whole game. Yeah, we talked about that last week on Weekend Geek. Yeah, but it, it, it's cool that Marvel does realize that. Hey, you know what? This is a cool new character. Let's put our resources behind her being mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, and you got the Gwenpool. Which, which uh, that one? I just, uh, that's just a cash grab. It seems like, like it's a. Um, that, that's the Deadpool cash grab. Mayday, it's a replacement for Mayday Parker with uh, Spider-Girl. Spider-Gwen yeah, fe- feels more like that because it's in its own universe. It's It kind of takes the place of that book. But I think the character design is so much cooler than Spider-Girl. You know? yeah. I, I really like the hood and the just the stark white and, you know, that... What is that pink or, or dark pink or is that black? I can't yeah, tell. Like on the inside of the hood? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like it's a cool contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like it. Yeah, it, the, the series I collected the first six to eight issues of the when the original series started, and then they relaunched it again, and I didn't pick it up then, um, just because I it did feel like it kind of ran its course for me. Hmm. Um, but it, there's still those moments where it's like oh, I want to see what happens. I do enjoy that world. Um. Yeah. So, dramatic reading, gentlemen. Dramatic Ooh. reading. And now, a dramatic reading of Rough Riders number one, page fifteen, panel three. What was that for? I don't like getting wet. <laughs> and that 
was a dramatic reading of Rough Riders number one, page 15, panel three. And Never accuse me a, of using the same voice. Comic book. No, it was not, and that's it was like a nice joy to to do that issue. I was surprised. I'm like, I don't recognize this panel from uh, Night Night Force. Night Force. Uh, What's funny is when you sent that panel over, I was like, oh, what's what's this from? And then I saw was reference. I was like, oh yeah, we read that book. (laughs) I probably forgot about everything that happened in that book for uh, was that last month's look back? Two months ago. Two months ago, I think. not good. Not good. And you know what? Something else that might not have been ultimately good was the New 52. Mm. And DC realized that. They were starting to alienate people. So five years after the original New 52 and a year after DC launched the DC YOU initiative, uh, the DC universe has once again gone back to the original numbering on some books and a lot of the original storylines. And Something of a renaissance. Paul, what does renaissance mean? It means uh, coming out of the Dark Ages. Yes. Mm. And here we are with Rebirth. I just made that up. Um, there's a lot of stuff that DC's revamping, taking back to the really the basics of the titles or the characters. But there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of missing from this revamp. So we figured, hey, why not pick our top ten books that need to be rebirthed? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was my taste buds were getting a rebirth there. That's uh, okay because I was throwing it over to you because I was about to start coughing again. So I'm going to mute my mic for a second. Okay, but uh, yeah, if this is rebirth, they're they're saying, hey, we're going to bring back the heart. We're going to bring back the legacies. We're going to bring back the parts of the DCU you all enjoyed, but some of that old new Fifty Two is still in there. The tendrils. Are still there. It's hard to get rid of them. It's, yeah, and there were some good things. They're like silverfish. Yeah. Oof. Ugh. The silverfish. Those are like the co- that I always would get confused with uh, cockroaches, right? Yeah, but they're long and skinny with all the legs. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah. they're, Ooh. Like, they're like the house centipedes. Yeah. yeah. They're unkillable too. Uh, no, I can crush them. They're still alive. <laughs> they're still alive. They're oh, just geez. annoying. Uh, there were some good things in the uh, the old. New fifty two. <laughs> fifty two. What? It, it was five years ago that they launched that. New so, fifty two. I mean, it's was, been a while. Animal Man. A lot of stuff that Swamp I thing. coming out of it. Uh, a lot of just crazy stuff though. Uh, things that I miss, and one of the books that I miss. I guess what we're jumping right into it, right? Yeah. All right, we can jump into it. Uh, I'm from New fifty two. That we're not getting in rebirth, but it's really something that I miss since the days of fifty. The first 52? <laughs> the comic book series, weekly series that DC published, where it felt like, hey, we're going to go on a cavalcade kind of like uh, weird tour of all the different nooks and crannies in the DC universe. And we're going to have tour guides uh, out in outer space of, you know, Captain Adam or uh, Captain Captain Strange. Cap- yep. Uh, Animal Man, Star Girl. Uh, on Earth, we're gonna see in the new Infinity Inc., which is Star uh, Steel's uh, daughter. Uh, some of the younger heroes. We're gonna f- uh, delve into the mystic stuff with Elongated Man. <laughs> you know, like everybody, we all like there were all these storylines being moved around with a lot of different characters that were all like C to D list characters, right? 
and we got to see these different facets. We got to see the cosmic. We got to see the um, mystic. We got to see uh, just the street level heroes with the question and Renee and Montoya, be, you know, spoiler becoming the question, which might be a spoiler for another <laughs> pick of mine. <laughs> and I, I want that kind of feel in that DC universe presents which we got you know coming out of the new 52 but it never really clinched because they kind of like it was just kind of they they did it wrong yeah because they were doing story arcs within the thing where it should just be a single issue telling a great story about a single character that you're not seeing yeah that, and that's what I wanted you know that's what I kind of want but if they're going to do that and what what we're all worked there. It the fifty two series seemed like a well oiled machine where it was all working together. Everything was clicking. All the gears were rotating. DCU presents felt like a rusted piece of machinery that just was clunked together. Just kind of like bubblegum and duct tape were the only things holding that thing uh, uh, together. And so I want to see that exploration of the weirder parts, the smaller parts of the DCU in a DC Comics prevent, you know, in an annual in a uh, anthology style book yeah, where every issue you know, maybe we go back and forth between these, you know, a certain group of characters and they tried doing that again with those like um, it was almost like origin stories in a book, they had like yeah, three secret st- origins, yeah, they had like three yeah. issues, secret you know, files, yeah, they were doing that and, and, and even it, that wasn't that good and I kept on reading that too, but even before 52 <laughs> They did the same thing uh, leading up to in, Infinity Cri- uh, Infinite Crisis, right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, with uh, Ranthanagar War, Shadow Pack, or which wasn't called Shadow Pack. It was called uh, uh, Day of Vengeance. Yeah, um, Day of Vengeance. He had the Villains United. He had... Uh, what it was were the, uh, the OMAC book then. Yeah, and uh, the Brother Eye book, yeah, OMAC. Was it OMAC, Brother Eye, or something? Check. But you had those four books. You know, do that kind of style in the new DCU because the thing is every time you relaunch you have a chance to do this awesome world build take me on that exploration of that's this new world show me how the street level works show me this the different things to do it and how you can do that in one book have this be the tour guide book have a tour guide book well I I actually really liked having that DC Universe Presents book to showcase those characters that might not be able to carry mm-hmm. a monthly or a whole limited series because you know taking four issues to tell like a dead man story it was, six, takes, like, it was six. six issues yeah like they, they could have whittled that down um i i think they needed to showcase that a little bit more and have just like those quick short one or two story arc things or um, have a long ongoing story but Give twenty five percent to this character, twenty five mm-hmm. to this character, fifty per- to this character. You know, like have it broken up where you're reading for three different stories. And yeah, yeah. I'll read for X amount of books if I'm getting good stories from all of them. Um, in that new, you know that. And how you're saying it, John, is you could split that off almost like the DC, um, the DC web comics kind of thing. Like yeah. make the because those are shorter. Or this, Wednesday comics. Or Wednesday comics. <laughs> Wednesday Comics was good. I actually, I really enjoyed, and it was a few years ago, and I can't remember when they initially started it, when they were doing the backup stories in the the back of books. Yeah. Yeah, do it kind of like that and combine those. And then, you know, even, or if you can't do the actual 
you know, DC proper because you know it's too hard to juggle. You don't want to put put the editorial behind time behind it. Then give me it like Bizarro World, like the old Bizarro Worlds. We had two volumes, just or, independent writers just coming in playing with a book out of continuity. Uh, what about like Spider Man Black and White or not Spider a yeah. uh, uh, Batman, Batman Black, Black and White, White, where it's just people coming in, mm-hmm. artists, Indeed. writers, yeah, doing Indeed a stuff. story. Well, I think a lot of those stories, though, they were just being told out of any kind of continuity. It was like the Batman animated series, kind mm-hmm. of, where you could just sit down, read that, and then have a a good Batman story. Just like yeah. four or five pages, that was all you needed. But what was really suffering with DC was just that lack of legacy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to showcase that legacy when you're just telling well, that quick story of Batman out on the prowl. But, you know, I can understand, like I was saying before, Chris, if, if they can't do, because, they, you know, it's too much editorial oversight, that, you know, exploring the real DC, then give me give it me DC Comics Presents as if it was Bizarro World. You know, those independent books that they came out with two different volumes of, where they just let independent writers come in and tell a quick story. I'd be happy with that, too, you know, as an anthology book. Yeah. An anthology book would be great because there are those characters, and they don't have to be. We saw that the books that we really liked, like in the Convergence or whatever, were those ones that were like, "Oh, I miss an awesome Shazam book like this." Mm -hmm. The art is great in it. This is great. The Blue Beetle, Captain Marvel, Question or uh, Captain Adam and Question book was so much fun. Like. Give me a book like that. It doesn't have to be in continuity. It just needs to be a fun story with a character that mm-hmm. you have some connection to. Yeah. And DC's been great with giving you... They showcase why you're supposed to love this character, and then they'll do something like kill him off. <laughs> and, I mean, that's something they agree. Or finally but- pull him through the speed force. Sons of a bitch, have you killed off Bart at the end? Or, Barry, or uh, Wally at the end? But again, it's reminding people why you're supposed to love this character. That's what that book should be. Yeah. Yeah. So so we all agree that I am right. <laughs> yeah. DC Comic Books presents Rebirthed. <laughs> Alright. Who wants to go next? Chris, you done coughing? Uh, I finished coughing a while ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I do need another beer, though, but I can get that whenever we just have to take a pause. I was rolling. Um, well, let's take a pause, because we opened our new beer, and we'd love to talk about it. Hey. Uh, and Paul and I are enjoying last year's Devil Dancer Triple IPA Indian Pale Ale from Founders. This one, uh, it has a sweetness on it now, which definitely was not in the fresh one. It has a little of that licking the stamp taste, mm-hmm. too, Paul. So it's mm-hmm. I, I said to Paul when we took a little bit of break there that it's like... Nobody licks stamps on anymore, by the way. It's licking an envelope. Oh. Uh, um, it is the little brother to 120, mm-hmm. that aged 120 with that, yeah, yeah. those flavors. And uh, I I prefer the aged. Oh, I yeah. Oh, I yeah. Mean, I'm going to buy some Double Dancer just to stick in my cellar and just forget about it for... A year, and then maybe I'll start drinking it after that. But how I treat my beer, I'll probably forget that I have it, and then it's a little tea, mm-hmm. little dry the mouthy out. Yep, big malty. That's where we're getting that sweet. That malty's really coming through. 
Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because that malt sometimes switches to that teriyaki, soy saucy kind of flavor, and it hasn't done that here. And that's with it being so malty on the fresh, I was really afraid that this would have gotten like teriyaki. Yeah, just and start. sometimes the bitter on the on the hops too. Instead of being bitter, it becomes acrid and it tastes like bile. And it, this one, no, it's, no, it's 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 nice, smooth, and easy. And um. You can still taste that it is a big boy, just in flavor alone, but it's mm-hmm. not – the alcohol's not there. Yeah. But it's somehow in the taste, that richness yeah. that you're just yeah. like, I need to sip this beer. And also that drying out. I think it's the drying, the drying out. out of the tongue. Just that evaporation that's happening <laughs> so uh, quickly. <laughs> I'm very glad that I sat on this, and I'm glad I did it when we still you have – You're so glad. We still have the ability to buy some more and age it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, happy about that. Chris, uh, hey. what would make you happy if it were to come out in the new Rebirth DC? Uh, one of the you. books that I've kind of gone back to again and again has been Teen Titans. And with the new 52, it just it hasn't felt like the same team. Like, they start off more at odds against each other. There hasn't been that complete family feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Um I'd like to see the Teen Titans Rebirth. We still do have a Teen Titans book coming out from DC right now, but it's the continuing adventures of the Teen Titans that we've had in the new 52. And I think this is a book that needs to be boiled back down to that base. Would you be okay if it boiled back down, not to the base of the Jeff Johns run, but more of the Teen Titans Go cartoon series? Um, No, I would really want that... Jeff Johns, but uh, like just like familial book. Like the, when you say the Teen Titans Go series, it's just like too goofy, off the wall. Well, I, I don't think we it, need that. It's a different. Well, I'm not talking about that goofy style. It still had the familiar sense, but the character lineup was different. No, I, See, I think I, if I'm he's fine with the characters the, that they have and the different aging of the characters, the Young Justice would be the one that would be the more I think inclined is Ooh. that those I couldn't get into that cartoon series I tried watching a couple episodes and it was just no I like I liked it okay well you, I'm not I, saying it's wrong but, but it has that it. they're they're introduced to each other and then they start becoming that family feel and yeah if I was going to read a Teen Titans book I'd want it to be that Jeff Johns where you you know the characters, the characters know each other, and the characters are all best friends. Mm-hmm. And they try to take care of each other, and they're upset when so-and-so's upset, or mm-hmm. so-and-so died, do we need to be there for them? Like, all those things were are there and present. And I don't know, I mean, you're going to get the a new Teen Titans book where it's, like, Superman's kid and Batman's kid, and then a team around them, like... And it's always set off now that Damian Wayne is set against the team. He's like, oh, he's here on the team, but he's going to be the one telling people what to do. And it seems, no, that's not what the Teen Titans is about. It's about everybody learning from each other. Am I right, Chris, in saying that? Like, No, you, you're absolutely correct. And to have like one character where they highlight saying, oh, he's on the team, and it's going to throw a wrench in the whole thing. It's like, that's that's the complete opposite of what the Teen Titans needs to be. I mean, it was nice before... I don't want to say nice, but... When we had that Jeff Johns mm-hmm. Teen Titans that came out in the early aughts there, 
it, it was good having that kind of like, whoa, surprise, Ravager is on the team now. You know, she she was a villain. Here she is. She's shaking things up. But it, you didn't need to have her as like a plant, mm-hmm. um, which she wasn't. Like she became a character that I really enjoyed seeing, especially when she started palling around with Nightwing later on too. And Just, the- I need I need that feeling again from Teen Titans. I want Teen Titans to be that book that I have to read. Yeah, well, I haven't had that. I'm glad Tim's going to be appearing in Detective Comics now, alongside mm-hmm. Spoiler and Batman, Batwoman, and Clayface, which is kind of cool. Um, but I I miss the Teen Titans, and since we're getting the original Titans back, I'm hoping they can kind of center themselves back and maybe not even do it as Teen Titans, but Young Justice, like have that be a thing again. Hmm. The thing with uh, Rose being on the team, or um. Oh, what's it? Ravager. Ravager. She never felt like she was purposely working against the team or needing to take control of the team. She she was there, and the team like kind of begrudgingly accepted her, but they still accepted her, and they mm-hmm. became a team. And I, I think it kind of fell apart after the Jeff Johns run because it was so much about the destruction of the team. Like, you had... Uh, who was writing it? And they brought... Uh, Bill Wellingham. A bombshell in, and she used to be part of the team, and now she's working against the team. And uh, then Clock King, but it was like Clock King's son, like was turning them all against I'm each other. Oh, I'm trying to think, just, was that Adam Beachin? It might have been Adam Beachin. Yeah. I'm going to actually Google that quick. It, it just was like, oh, we need to turn this on its head. We need... And you don't. Don't. Not every not every time that a new writer comes in does he turn the team on its head. Yeah. But yeah, and it's it's almost like the nineties of yeah. the series where you gotta make it edgy and cool. Yeah, and that was the whole and that's new DCU. The, that's that um, but that's the whole thing about like that Jeff Johns team Titans. It's it wasn't that. It was that family mm-hmm. fun, doesn't need to be edgy, but can have those moments. A deathstroke Blowing the kneecaps off of, uh, you Speedy. know, or not Speedy, Bart but Bart Allen, his Flash. kid Flash, that was like a holy, Impulse. holy shit kind of mm-hmm. moment. And then you saw that character. Then hey, maybe I'm. Don't be so pigheaded. Don't be so first one in. Mm-hmm. Let's go and read every book in the library and. Mm-hmm. Let's grow from this experience and show that, yeah, I'm still that fun kind of character, but I'm also learning that I should be more of a hero and not be so impulsive. Like, that was a great moment. It was darker. Who who, who thought, saw that coming, like, in issue two or three of that book? Right. You know? So those are, Kid, I mean... Kids shouldn't be superheroes. Ba-boom. <laughs> you know, it's... it's Definitely, you can have those moments, but still make the book what it's supposed to be. It's when you start, oh, we have this book, let's go against the grain with the book. Well, no, that's going against the grain of what people like about that character or mm-hmm. like about those books. John, what do you want to see in a book? Well, I think it's something that I've mentioned every time. Like, I think we did the same thing when Martian Manhunter? New 52 came through. <laughs> Uh, and the fact that the thing that's been missing from the DCU has been love, and they told us this, 
I need one of the biggest loves in the DCU back, and that is Ralph and Sue Dibney. Yeah, we only liked them after Sue died, though. Well, yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Paul on that. Like, here, here's the thing: is I had read before that I had read um, whatever happened to the JLA of America or whatever. That oh, okay, was. the, the jokey book. Yeah, it was like a, it was a fun book. This that, isn't the JLA. Yeah, but that's the moment where you have like. Hence Power why we Girl. have the not episodes called not episodes. <laughs> we, you know, you, you had like look. Power Girl being mind controlled, having a knockout brawl with um, Captain Adam in that book, and mm-hmm. breaking his like seal in it. Mm-hmm. You had that these, always happens whenever you fight Captain Adam. You break yeah. his seal. Break the seal. It's like drinking beer. You oh. just got to break this. Well, that was the weirdest role. <laughs> <laughs> but in that book, and why. Uh, Identity Crisis had like a mm-hmm. aside from being a great book, but I had seen that this is a character about that love, and they told you in Identity Crisis that this is something that is devastating and something mm-hmm. that's missing. And the same thing with Fifty Two is you see that man uh, Ralph mm-hmm. going through all this stuff to find his his wife again and to bring that back, and they showed you that these are characters that you should have been paying attention to and you should mm-hmm. need. And I'd like that book because it's been 10 years and we haven't yeah. had a, a resurrection of those characters and it's something that I would like to see. You know, a mystery book about a guy with superpowers and his wife who doesn't solving mysteries together and making it a fun book but making it about the two of them having like an adventure together. I mean, she was an honorary member of the Justice League because mm-hmm. of he wouldn't go anywhere without her. And that's something I've always wanted since 52. Couldn't she just start drinking the jingle, too? And she could. Hey, as well. that'd be a fun part in the book. She solved the adventure. His nose is twitching. Nose is twitching. Somebody get him a tissue. No, it means there's a mystery. I, I'm, I'm going to be in the minority, but I, I think she works better as a character after... That haunts him? Yeah. Like, that was... That's what made us take note, because it was more the storytelling than it was the fact that they were characters that existed before. And, like, the formerly known as Justice League, and I can't believe it's not Justice League stuff, was done just so tongue-in-cheek goofy that I feel like those weren't those characters. Yeah. Okay. I can understand. I see where you're especially from, because yeah. I think those came out actually after Identity Crisis. No, they came out before. They were in the that's like Guy Gardner getting punched by Batman. Before. No. no, what was that then? No, they no, were that, that was the actual Justice League oh, International. Yeah. But the books that John's talking about were like revamps of that. Oh, it comes from the same line. Yeah. Okay, it's this Kevin McGuire or was yeah, it was the JM Tamadius, Keith Giffen, Keith Kevin G- McGuire stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's when I keep on. So I get those timelines confused. So that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know what else would be okay? If Chris, you could rebirth another book right now. Oh, it's my turn to go again. Oh crap! I'm not ready. Um, John, because rebirth a book. You you kind of t- you oh. kind of like started to hit on this when you were talking about your DC Comics Presents thing before. Uh-huh. I wasn't sure if you were just going to use that or if you were going to start talking about some of the characters that you mentioned with that. Um. 
because one of my picks would actually wind up being Kate Spencer, aka the Manhunter. Oh, uh, very much the DC's DA. answer to Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a lawyer that takes justice into her own hands, off the clock as well. Um, but I really enjoyed her when she was launched. Um, this was a book started by Mark Andreco, art also by Jesus Saez, who's doing Captain America right now with Nick Spencer. Um, I, I really enjoyed this book when it was coming out. I liked seeing her come back in the uh, the backups that I was talking about before. I can't remember. They were in... I think it was in... Was it question? Batwoman? Or like it was Batwoman, yeah. Batwoman or The Question was, or whatever. It was something. It was one of those books. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was Batman Streets of Gotham. I just Googled it. Ah. But yeah, I, I think this is another thing that we can have kind of based off of that legacy that they're now reintroducing. Um, bringing back more of the street-level characters. You want to take it to the streets. Take it to the streets. Yeah, it's one of those characters that they I feel like they have relaunched a couple times, and it just, for whatever reason, it, she doesn't find her footing. you got to take her out of Gotham, I think. I think that's uh, the one I, that... I think, I think part of it is just she's too... I think she'd be more interesting in Metropolis, because a street-level character in Metropolis is something that we don't get to see often. Mm-hmm. And... Well, because I like Daredevil as a lighter character... I would lighten her up because with a little bit because in Metropolis Street level he has some of the kind of goofier things like the news uh, the news street newsboy gang or the news who's the newsies the newsboy legion or whatever yeah the newsboy legion you got I think her working up playing off of uh, Jimmy Olsen would be really fun the the fact that she could be the characters that are too small for really Superman to take mm-hmm. that moment and more him just feel like the police can get these guys. Mm-hmm. But sometimes those moments are, hey, maybe it's a little too big for the police or maybe the police are missing this. Would you guys be okay if Ambush Bug showed up in that book? No. No. All right. Then I am going way too light and way too much yeah, fun Yeah, I that think book. you definitely need the lighter moments. Uh, the fact that, like, the guy who's helping News her. Boy Legion. The the boy the guy that's helping her out is the guy that used to make tech for the bad guys, mm-hmm. you know, and he's the one that yeah, because she yeah. knows, well, no, she forces him to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But like that was those kind of fun moments of the. She book. was she was her defense attorney, or he was she was his defense attorney. She, he turned state's witness. He's now on the lam under police, you know, or under uh, what you might call it. You know, uh, new new identity. What's that called? Uh, witness. Yeah, and, and but she'll still drop by and be like, and drop like a weird ray gun and be like, "Where the hell is this from?" And then she, she can take it apart and be like, "Ooh shit, this is apocalypse tech," or "Ooh shit, this is Monster Island tech." This is that egghead, the the big egg character created this. <laughs> no, yeah, I remember Fu Fang Fu. Yeah, yeah, egg 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 Shen. <laughs> Egg Shen, so, Egg yeah. Fu, something like that. Yeah, yeah, have, have him being, like, the guy that kind of... See, your take, it's it, it's making that character too too broad. It should be more condensed down. Like, uh, you, uh, you like know... Like, her going after Copperhead, like, that worked in that book. Mm-hmm. Like, those kind of schlubby villains that get introduced, like Rainbow Raider or, like, Kite Man, that nobody really cares about. 
she she can deal with them. Yeah, and that's and what it can be that little bit darker edge book, but it can still have that. You can still have some humor to it, but it's going to be much, much darker. That's going to be your gallows book. Hmm. Whatever you were talking about, gallows humor before, I don't remember. It was Batman and okay. Batman v Superman Justice League. That was it. I just remembered you mentioning it, and I was like, that's the perfect way to describe it, though. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would want this. I, I think I would aim for it to be a lot lighter than you guys are, and yeah, I, I, I'm okay with but, going like a little bit darker. Yeah. On some of the books, like. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, I know would you want her still from that darker edge with the DC rebirth? But I like having that corner. I just don't want to see you know, Superman living in that corner. Right. Well, so I think that's where Manhunter can be. So I was saying I would like her in Metropolis. Would you want her still in Gotham, or would you want her in New York City, or where would you want her in the DCU? You could put her anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't think Gotham's like the best place for her because you do have so many vigilantes in you, Gotham. If you throw a stone, you're hitting and, a vigilante, and they're in Gotham. all street level. <laughs> like yeah. it's like okay, but you could you could put her pretty much anywhere and have her have her work. So just mm-hmm. they put her in Gotham because she does work alongside that character archetype extremely well because that's basically what Gotham's built for. Yeah, but it's ridiculous when she's like hunting down somebody and doesn't reach out to Oracle. Or Oracle doesn't say, yo, don't bust this guy. He's a snitch for me. And he's leading me to, the, there's like four different co- uh, spider webs leading off of him, and I want to find where it all leads back. And, yeah, but we, we don't even have an Oracle anymore. Yeah, I know. But back in the day, it always seemed kind of silly to me. Like Whenever I was reading the book, I'm like, she would bump into so many different people. It was, it kind of was a, bur- a book that works in its time mm-hmm. like it that kind of introduction to that character and it's hard I think for anyone to write a story about her kind of now mm-hmm. in that world but uh, yeah I'd like to see it again I'd love them to capture that lightning again I think it would be great if they could somehow coax someone like Ed Brubaker back and like hand him that book or even if they just had Mark Andreco come back and do it because I mean he created her Oh hey, they they've got Greg Ruck again. I think he could mm-hmm. he could handle that too. What strong female lead on the street chasing down crime stories? Nah, Rucka wouldn't be interested in that at all. Couldn't possibly. All right, I'm. Uh, Who goes next? Because I don't I, know. I think your... Paul and I might have the same. So this is where we do both doing the question. Yeah, with Renee Motoya as the question. Okay, uh, here's where I'm going to be different than you. I think I want uh, old question. Vic Sage to be alive but dying of cancer. So he can't be out on the street anymore. So it's in 52. He's giving the missions. He's It's Batman Beyond. Send the present with Vic Sage and Renee Montoya as the question and her not again, not in Gotham. Because they got to get out of Gotham. You know, they'll be in their town, but she has all those ties to Gotham, so she's constantly going back there every time there's a new story that something. Put them in Opal City. Yeah. Uh, every time there's a new story about something big happening in Gotham, she'll want to go there and Vic be coughing out a lung and saying, "No, you can't do it. You're not ready." I would like a little more of him just being like, "You got to. Fu- this is the question." Go find me the answer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so he's still alive for you too. Yeah. No, I could. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. I think it's where I think it's where those characters work because mm-hmm. we've gotten we've looked 
into the past where, you know, Vic was in charge. Isn't it sad that I always go back to 52 for all my ideas for DC? It's like the freaking Fantastic Four over at Marvel for me. (laughs) But yeah, you have those moments where he's, yeah, he's just giving her the, this is the question, this is what needs to be answered. These might be some places. (laughs) And then have her like, well, I found this and this. And he's like, but you didn't ask the right question and then make her do something again. No, I think it's great. That's exactly where I would go, too. I was same, <laughs> same what wavelength right here. Mm-hmm. I, I think when I let it slip during my DC Comics Presents, I'm like, I don't want to mention them. Damn it, I just did. <laughs> that street, because they were the street level characters. And I'm like, I oh, am. Yeah. The question is somebody that we always go back to. Mm-hmm. Even when we do those, you know, after the creator craze, mm-hmm. and like, what book will we want so and so on? We're always like, every year, I think we've said, like, the question. Yeah. Them or Martian Manhunter or yeah, so there, there's a couple and the look forward to our Justice League Unlimited Justice League our cartoon cinematic universe uh, episode. Well, we'll probably be talking about question episodes <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> We're going to record that uh, and have that main topic released uh, while John's away on his honeymoon. Mm. John getting married soon. Only uh, what three weeks away? Three weeks away. <sighs> Future wife. Future wife is going to be present wife. Present wife. Wait, does that mean I have to buy her a present? Yeah. Oh. Uh, sidebar, I really hope my stupid cat is better by then so I can leave her alone oh. for the five days. That'll be tough. That, that's been a concern of mine, honestly. Can't you ship her UPS? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I may have to bring the cat with me and just leave her at my mom's house and like, check back daily what can brown do for you if not ship your cat i guess (laughs) awful anyways anyways uh, so that was kind of like a combined pick so who goes next because i that would be you did you do two i've done two all right then we've all done two i thought we were just doing two yeah, I was guess I thought we were doing three because we it's our oh, top ten. Okay, go ahead, Chris. If you got another well, because, one, I can pull another one. Well, because you guys did, you went together, so I. Well, we didn't know we were going together. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, we could always talk about each other. So, I figured someone was going to use that as an opportunity to do the next one. Chris, go ahead with your third. And- uh, my third one is a character that was showcased in a uh, new fifty-two book with uh, Earth One. But this is Mr. Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern, who really has no place right now. Um, but I always really enjoyed him being one of those legacy characters, founding member of the Justice Society, uh, and being kind of that elder statesman of the Green Lanterns, even though his powers were a little bit different came from a different place. Uh, I, I liked having him in the DC Universe. Yeah, and I mean, definitely the Elder Statesmans, I mean, that's something we've been talking about and wanting with uh, Justice Society. I remember, like, last week we had a big discussion about it with um, talking about uh, Jay Garrick. You know, like, those guys need to be in this world. So why wouldn't you have, you know, Alan Scott, Green, Green Lantern, or any of those older statesmen? He's, he's just a cool guy. I don't know. I like his goofy costume. I, I like Jade and, you know, Kyle Rayner together. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. You need Obsidian to show up and be an yeah. egg. Oh, Obsidian was cool. He was cool. They, 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 they just, it was a character that they just got rid of to get rid of for shock, and like, then they kind of just, like, pass him aside. But, again, that legacy, like, have that character be there as that father figure, both figuratively and literally to characters. Yeah, I definitely feel like anything from their Earth to, you know, Jay Garrick, Alan Scott, any of those characters, they need to be in this world with these other superheroes. Mm-hmm. Paul, did you find someone else? Is Paul, Paul there? Yeah, I, I just got back from the bathroom. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I thought you were like trying to find another book. Uh, well, I... I do all my best thinking in the bathroom. Oh, makes sense. And uh, the thing that I don't want to lose out of this rebirth is the fun that we were having in the DCU of the Harley Quinn books and also of the Starfire book. So That didn't last very long. Is that still going Starfire on? Starfire was still going on. Yeah, it might not be going on now. But I did like the uh, fish-out-of-water take of that Starfire, uh, where it's an alien... But I'm willing to sacrifice that book for <laughs> for the Teen Titans that Chris wants, you know, because I don't think he can have her be that zany fish out of water and do that kind of legacy kind of character that needs where she needs to feel more established. Uh, so, and Harley Quinn, it looks like in this one they're going to be like, no, no, she was government mind wiped. You know, during Suicide Squad, that's why she was being so crazy, and now she's going to be more serious, which I don't like. So I think they could just they could do two books for that character. They could do the serious one and then do the fun, the fun one. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's basically what they've been doing with Harley Quinn, anyways. Mm -hmm. And Harley Quinn is the one that I think they're really going to push out of the Suicide Squad movie. So just keep that going. But I would like something maybe not as I, what I liked about Starfire, it was had the same feel, but without being that morose, hot topicy kind of feel. So I would like to see, no surprise here, Star Girl come back, where she's a younger character, she's learning her ways, like stars, like the old school Stars and Stripe series that we had for like only twenty four issues, um, and her learning her way in the JSA again. Maybe you know Courtney can be you know. 1920 like in college and still like learning the ropes maybe she's three years into being a superhero you know she's with the JSA but you know here's her exploits like basically what they did with Batgirl recently where she's in college like in the Burnside district so she's in the college part of town and she's dealing with you know the college woes plus plus being a superhero I think that would be cool like have it 60-40. 60%, you know, college kind of drama, 40% superhero drama. Yeah, that would be good. Especially since you have that legacy of um, Jack Knight, you know, Starman, where it seemed more like 75% family drama, 25% superhero antics. So kind of give me that kind of feel, but with a but from the perspective of a college uh, female, a woman. I think it would be really cool. And she has some interesting family dynamics herself with her stepdad being a former superhero, teen superhero, with Stripey. Stripey? Stripes, yeah. 
He was the okay. He was the sidekick for stars. He was stars and stripes. Now he has that big robot. Right. I think it'd be fun. John, did he come up with another book to round up a top ten? Yes, and it's something we briefly touched on. Uh, some of the things that I love about comic books is I like it a little darker, and I like magic to be in that world. And one of my favorite ideas was kind of those schlub characters coming together in, like, Shadow Pack. Mm. That's, that's something that I thought about bringing up, too. Because the first time you had those characters together, and I don't think it was... I don't think it was Day of Vengeance. I think Day of Vengeance was the big overarching thing. Mm-hmm. I forget what that book was called. No, it was, it was Day of Vengeance. Was it Day of Vengeance? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was the big overarching That's thing. That's where they were like, teaming up to fight uh, Spectre. Yeah. But, and then it came out as Shadow Pact. But those characters together worked so great that first time round. But Ruined we, by Bill Willingham. <laughs> well, he's the one created who, by Bill Willingham. Created by Bill Willingham. And then ruined by Bill Willingham. But I think if you bring in uh, what's he doing nowadays? More like an anthology story with these characters, smaller stories, nothing super big and overarching. But having you know those characters, maybe one or two of them working in this one story, or all of them having to come together, I think that'd be something that would really work. And the magic side of DC, as small as it has become was a big part of DC for years, and why not explore that? There's so many characters that those characters, like Blue Devil and the, and Inspector Ape or whatever his name Detective was. Detective Chimp. Detective, Detective Chimp. Chimp. Yep. That those characters could run into and be part of, and they could be going to what's-his-name's bar. And I think it would be... with Shining Knight. It, I think it would be a fun book and it, you could tie in other characters like Doom Patrol or Constantine or Zatanna like all those characters could have moments in these books I, that's, that's a book that I would pick up I really enjoyed just that kind of quirky look at the um, DC Mystic Universe and it's something that's gotten really dark with the new 52 between Justice League Dark Justice League Dark and <laughs> Like Animal Man and Swamp Thing even kind of mm-hmm. dwelling over in that uh, corner of everything. Yeah, yeah. It could use a little bit of fun. And yeah, I think that's the important part is the quirkiness because I thought about this too uh, in the shower this morning. I'm like, ah, what about what about a Shadow Pack book again? And I'm like, well, we had Justice League Dark, and that kind of got mired down pretty quick with the title Justice League. You know, so well it it had its fun moments when they had the right writer mm-hmm. on it. When Jeff Lemire was writing it, it, was, it yeah. was crazy and weird, but also like magical and dark and fun, but crazy. Well, they did the thing that, and that I was complaining about with Teen Titans, where they never felt like a team because at every moment it's like one of these people are going to betray them. Which one will it be? Madame Xanadu, John Constantine, you know, Doctor like, Voodoo. Yeah, like they kept on, like, well, oh, it's there's a traitor in their midst. There's a traitor, and it's like, dude, I just want a fun team that's all working together, flying around in the house yeah, of uh, mystery, you know, just hanging out. Like, I really enjoy stories where it's people that are really good at their jobs doing really good at their jobs. 
I don't need them to be like backstabbing each other. I don't need any of that drama. I don't need. That's why I don't like watch reality TV because I don't like get people set up in situations where they have to sit there and yell at each other. Like yeah, that's all reality TV is. That's all it is. I, I want to see people on the bridge of the Enterprise yelling at each other to turn on the shields. And you're not going like, to see that. It's already done. You're not going to see that. It's been re. <laughs> they can't use the IP. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, everybody working together as a team and, like, the only reason they're yelling at each other is because shit's going down and everybody needs to make sure they're all communicating and getting on point. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. That's what I want, too. You're right, John. I know. Give us fun books. Give us fun books. And, guys, you can ship animals via UPS. I just sent the message to you on about how to Yeah, she needs, like, special care, so she can't get shipped. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, I have to hook her up to like an IV every day. Uh, well, you could do it before you ship her. How long does it take to ship the animal? Uh, yeah, Paul, you same, looked it up. Same day. Same day shipping? Same day delivery, man. Really? That's crazy. It might be better to do that than do the bringing her on the plane. Or I could just yeah spend two hours on a plane with a cat, though. Well, yeah, maybe maybe that's <laughs> like better. Anyways, that's plans for another time that can be discussed off the air. Yeah, that's that's something that we'll see if she gets healthy by then. Cats, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's it's not only a musical; it's Chris's life. Uh, if you like the show, including our cat, yeah, talk, let us know about our life choices <laughs> over on the iTunes. You guys been doing a podcast too long. Hey, aren't you the guys from YouTube? No, not us. No, we're not. No been around longer we'll yep. be around longer mm-hmm. uh that's always depressing when i think we found new people found us and like us and then they're talking about some other show and i'm like what that's not a picture of us it's not us clearly yeah. we have better comedic timing than that listen to our christmas specials <laughs> yeah <laughs> rate us and review us over on itunes so people find us and not the other shows that make me sad <laughs> uh like us over on Facebook, follow us there. We always post awesome things, you know, news stories when we see them. Uh, and also our episodes. Chris, again, you yes. do an amazing job on the that episode art and getting those epi- the episode notes up online. Thank you. I'm actually doing the episode art for this one right now. Everything's already typed up. It just needs to uh, have the episode attached to it. If you're ever wondering, oh, there was a beer that they talked about two episodes ago. Boom. Go on our webpage, bagnaboard.com, or go over to Facebook and find the episode number, and boom, you can find all the beers we talked about. Boom. All the all com- right there. All the comic books we talked about. Chris, amazing job on that. Thank you. Thank you. So much. You're John. Your old devil dancer. John. Delicious. Thank you so much for bringing that awesome devil dancer beer. <laughs> it's so much better than my ginger beer that I made us drink. Uh, thank you for... <laughs> Always calling me on my BS <laughs> and letting me and always reining me in when I need to, when I'm talking too much shit about computers. You're welcome. It's when I can't stand being so bored that I let you know. <laughs> so uh, while you're doing all that, make sure you check us out over at everywhere and then hey, <laughs> everywhere.com. You can listen to John over at Horror Movie Massacre. New episodes after the wedding. Hey, and then uh, me hopefully weekly again over at parksandrec.com where I talk about Disney stuff with my best friend Janet. 
mm-hmm. we had some internet woes with the website and all fixed now so we'll be back on track all right <laughs> 